going on, defenders? Welcome to episode 158 of the most LAFC podcast in the solar system. If you don't know my voice by now, I'll introduce myself yet again. My name is Christian Philly Philemon, the self-proclaimed beast from the East and the toast of the East Coast. And sitting next to me, to my right, in world-famous Philomonster Studios in beautiful Burbank, California, I give to you the one and only tyrant of the threads, J.R. Liebert. The scarf. What is good? Good, Defenders Nation. Yes, it's the mouth of the South Bay and the beast from the East Coast linking up once again for the 158th episode. Philly had to start this one off because he wouldn't screw up the episode number like the other co-host did on the last show, but that's all right. Who's keeping track anyway? Buzzsprout and my bank account. But other than that, Philly, what a whirlwind of a few days for LAFC. So much to talk about in Black and Gold Nation. Not just the losing tie once again, and we're getting kind of tired of saying losing ties. But Philly, the big move, Mark Anthony K, no longer a member of the Black and Gold Philly, the Canadian glory machine, is no longer glorious in Los Angeles. No, it's... It's crazy. In hindsight, I'm glad we waited to give you news because that actually happened before the game against Minnesota United. There's some other big news that occurred shortly thereafter, which we're going to get into. Now, normally, we record these episodes the day of or literally the day after the match. We're sitting here in world-famous Film Monster Studios, 72 hours after the fact, which for us, that's pretty late. And we had every intention of doing this. We, we hung out a little bit at Sunset Club after the game. We, 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 saw, we saw Cristo Fernandez, Danny Rojas again. We did. We were chilling with some of our buddies. We were chilling with Elijah and some of the other LAFC staff. We roll over to Philomonster Studios. We're sitting on the couch going through that YouTube rabbit hole that Scarf and I normally do to get ourselves motivated for the podcast. And next thing you know, (laughs) it's 6.30 in the morning. Philly and I were mid-conversation, or I should say, I was mid-conversation with Philly, and then I look over and Philly's asleep on the couch, so I was like, well... I'm sleeping. That's it. It was a domino effect. I woke up at 6.30 in the morning. All the lights in the house were on. And I feel so bad because Panda left early. She got the room situated for us, the lights and everything. And we just sat on the couch, looked at each other, chatted. I guess I fell asleep. He fell asleep shortly thereafter. And there's Scarf on one couch, me on the other side of the couch, And then there's Schmitty McMittens passed out with his legs in the air on the coffee table. For those who don't know, Schmitty's my, my, uh, the second love of my life next to my wife. He's my Siamese cat. So it's the three boys in the room. So Scarf wakes up. I wake up and he's like, well, I got to get to work in 30 minutes. And I'm like, oh, poop. (laughs) Gotta go. This this has never happened to us before. (laughs) Things that, you know, people that are in their 40s say often. Look, I'll I'll say this. Wednesday games are rough. Oh, they're they're, they're awful, actually. Wednesday games are rough. And look, it was was an even rougher week for Mark Anthony K to bring it back to, I think, what started this whole conversation. Yeah, but I wanted the millions. And millions. To understand why they're getting a podcast 72 hours after the fight. For sure. Totally get that. Mark Anthony. Anthony K, 2019 MLS All-Star, and just like that, it becomes a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately kind of a league and kind of a team. Look, no disrespecting to Mark Anthony K at all, but he lost his spot to Sifu. 
And that made him a little more expendable in LAFC's eyes. And I'm going to let Philly get into the details of what we got for him. But I just want to remind everybody of Mark Anthony Kay and his time with LAFC. He is fifth all-time in appearances with our young club with 89 appearances across all competitions. 74 in Major League Soccer, five CONCACAF Champions League, five COVID Cups, three U.S. Open Cup appearances, and two MLS Cup playoff matches. And he was captain, by the way, Philly, for the COVID, COVID Cup cups. <laughs> for us. That, yeah, he was captain in the COVID Cup for LAFC. It's uh, he, he was captain right after that for three matches, and then he got that red card, and he never saw the captain's armband again. He did have three assists in a match and a 4-1 victory over Seattle at the bank in April of 2019. In LAFC lore, in the annals of history, if you will, for LAFC, I think it's pronounced annals. Yeah, yeah I was about to ask you about that. That's sixth, okay. He's sixth in minutes with 6,839. Fifth in goals all time for LAFC with nine. Fifth in goals with nine. Oh, boy. But three of those nine goals, Philly, were game winners. Fourth in assists all time for LAFC with 17. Third in yellow cards with 12. And, of course, 22 caps and two goals for the Fighting Canucks. I'm personally going to miss Mark Anthony K. Philly for the a lot of the things that he did off the pitch, the social justice, the great player he was in the community as well. And I'm bummed that he's gone, especially because just the night before, Philly, you and I were sitting right here in Philemon Studios watching Latif Blessing and Mark Anthony Kay chatted up on Instagram, and, and you could tell Latif loved that guy. And I bet a lot of others in the locker room did too. Yeah, I no doubt. And there's definitely people within the LAFC faithful that loved him as well. And as it stands, the news comes out as he was on international duty. We hadn't seen him in any match since July the 3rd, that match being against RSL, a match in which we won in the 69th giggity minute by with a goal by Jose Cifuentes. You pretty much gave all the stats on Mark Anthony K. I don't need to go into that. Now, with his departure, there are only a handful, a half a dozen players left on LAFC from the inaugural roster. We got Vela, Rossi, and Blessing. The three starters from that inaugural match against the Seattle Sounders, Atuesta, Harvey, and Blackman. That's it. That's all that's left from 2018. So Mark departs, but that doesn't mean we're not going to see him again because decision day in Major League Soccer occurs on November the 7th, and it happens to be against Colorado. So LAFC will be on the road, and they will see Mark Anthony K again. Now, y'all want to know what we got for him? Well, we traded him to the Rapids for a million dollars in general allocation money. A million bucks in general allocation money. That is a fair amount. We also got an international roster spot. And if he gets sold off by the Rapids, anything in excess of a million dollars, we're going to get 10% on. Now, I want to backtrack a little bit. I was asked this via Instagram. I was asked, what's the story with an international roster spot? For those of you who don't know, it works as follows. Now, throughout the entire league, Major League Soccer allows 217 international slots divided by the 27 or so teams. So you get roughly around eight players now, or eight slots rather. Now, those slots are tradable. So there are teams that could end up with more than eight or less than eight, depending on how they trade them. But that is the rule. You have to stick with them. So the fact that we're constantly looking in the South America, having multiple international slots bodes well in our favor. So that's why that was a very enticing offer. 
Mark Anthony K came from USL. He came from Louisville FC. Louisville, Kentucky. That's right. He goes from Toronto FC, that academy, to, to Louisville. We picked him up for about five figures worth of a transfer fee. We were paying him 247000 per year. We got a million bucks for him with the potential for 10% and anything less than anything in excess of a million bucks. That's a pretty darn good business deal. And as Scarf mentioned, well, he would have been coming off the bench because at this point, there's no way he would have been starting over Atuesta. No way he would have been starting over Blessing. And honestly, def- not, not, not over Sifu. The last thing I want to say, because I've been kind of yammering away a bit and Scarf is getting antsy. No, no, no. Go on. I do want to say this. We do know who scored the first goal against the Sounders. Diego Rossi. Okay. If you rewind a little further, Diego Rossi gets the assist from Carlos Vela. If you rewind a little further than that, the person that secured the ball in the midfield, that passed the ball to Carlos Vela, that enabled Vela to find Diego Rossi for that 11th minute goal against the Sounders was... Mark Anthony K. Absolutely. So he gets the hockey assist. Mark Anthony K, a big part of our history, a big part of our beginnings, and a contributor to the first goal of this team's entire history. 2019 All-Star. He came a long way. If Mark, if you're listening to this podcast, man, just want to say nothing but love to you. We appreciate your accomplishments both on and off the field, and we wish you nothing but the best with the Rapids. Uh, we just don't hope you do anything good on November the 7th. And you would think, you know, here's the hard part, right? With someone like Mark Anthony K leaving, we talk about what that does in terms of minutes. Where do those minutes go? And you got to think, obviously, Bryce Duke really is, is liking this move because he'll get more minutes. But you know who I think really shapes up the winner in this is Pancho Ginella because he's a strong kind of defensive holding midfielder. Perfect for a guy, say, if you're up in the 80th minute 2-1 against Minnesota and you need to play a more defensive rotation and lineup. So you leave Pancho Ginella on the bench. Subs are good. Cool. All right. Got it. Philly, also uh, another player that we want to talk about that Look, Scarfstradamus at the very beginning of the season said that the hybrid player of Corey Danny Musovsky Baird would score 15 goals and have 15 assists. I was very bullish on LAFC's offense. I was very bullish on these two play- players. Excuse me. I just had pineapple juice and there was a little bit of heartburn going on there. These two players. Something that one drinks on a Saturday night while watching Olympic golf. Hey, we're on the 18th hole, by the way. Xander Shoffley is up one over Rory Sabatini, who is in the clubhouse with a 61, and in bronze medal position, also USA's Colin Morikawa. So Perhaps that's what we need to do, Scarf. Maybe we should just have a highly entertaining golf podcast. <laughs> I mean, we would probably be more entertaining than most golf I've watched in my life, but that's okay. Uh, Corey Baird, Philly, came over from RSL as kind of a reclamation project, right? Like, he had a down year... After he won MLS Rookie of the Year, which that award no longer exists, right? And and he started out pretty well. Look, the dude kid plays so hard. Philly, you and I have talked about it. Between him and Marco Farfan, I don't know that there are two players that come off the pitch. Well, no one comes off the pitch slower than Marco Farfan, but more on that later. <laughs> but I don't know that there oh, are two. I'm good. so upset at Marco Farfan right now. No, far from a fan of Marco. There, there are there it is. There again. are a few players that come off looking more like they fell out of a tree and hit four more trees on the way down than Corey Baird. He plays so hard. He makes all the runs. I mean, he really does push his body to the limit. 
unfortunately, there wasn't a lot going on there. I really thought that he would be the missing piece for this offense. 13 appearances with LAFC, three goals, two assists in 755 minutes played. But Philly, going back to the business decision, I can take this one because I'm a math teacher. We acquired him for 500000 in GAM and sold him for 750000 in GAM, which would be a profit of $250,000 in GAM. All right. So we actually made over $1,000 a day just by having him on the roster. Why do I say that? He was black and gold for a total of 201 days, Philly. Pretty awesome stuff. We got really good ROI on that. I don't think you could have invested in a stock. Well, I'm sure you could have with the uh, the AMCs of the world doing their crazy things. But we got really good return on investment for Corey Baird. And quite honestly, once Carlos Vela got healthy and back in the lineup, Corey's minutes started diminishing. So was Corey going to be a starter again? Probably not. Was he going to come off the bench? Probably. But that's going to lead into a, a rumor about a player that we might have that would make the uh, the forward situation a bit crowded. I do want to say one additional thing that we did get for Corey Baird was a 2022 international slot, if I'm not mistaken. That is true. So we have more opportunity to bring in more of these amazing South American players. And speaking of which, Scarf, we got... A, uh, we do have a Colombian player in Los Angeles. He, he did update his Instagram. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we're just waiting eagerly for LAFC to make the announcement. Why don't you tell the millions, and millions. what to expect? All right, super excited. You guys ever listen to Scott Van Pelt when he talks to Tim Kirkchen and he does his like Hawaiian kind of baseball-y accent, and he, he likes to accentuate the O's when he talks to Tim Kirkchen. Well, I can't wait to hear... Scott Van Pelt talk about Chicho Arango. It is going to be so much fun to watch Chicho Arango play. Look, we we don't normally report on just rumors here at Defenders of the Bank, but when you change your Instagram picture to a drawing of yourself in a flex kit, when you're seen in and around Los Angeles at the Performance Center and at Bank of California Stadium, and when your old team, Millonarios, announces the deal already as done... We're going to go ahead and report on this one, Philly. Yeah, I think it's safe. Plus, let's not forget to say that ESPN said it, too. Yeah, ESPN reported it. I mean, Chicho Arango, we're going to talk a lot more about him once it becomes official. But it appears that if we are going to go back to a 4-3-3, then it appears Chicho might be that third piece of the 4-3-3 Philly. And I can't wait. Yeah, I mean, the guy led the, the Colombian Super League, the first division. I, I, I never know the name of that division, but he, he led it in scoring. He single-handedly brought his team, Millonarios, to the playoff final. We might we mentioned this on the previous podcast. He was part of Benfica's, uh, he was assigned at Benfica, but he was loaned out. He never actually got to play for the Portuguese Giant. But here's a kid who seems to be able to find the back of the net fairly consistently. And as we reported before, he's coming in from the same div- league, that brought us and gave us the likes of your Eddie Seguras and your Edward Atuestas. So, hey, I'm excited. I'm going to be cautiously optimistic. Uh, I've been burned too many times to just put the next big signing from South America on a pedestal and raise them high. I mean, it doesn't have to just be from South America. I've been burned by the Andre Hortas. We've been burned by the Christian Ramirez's. I mean, we're still kind of feeling the flames for Brian Rodriguez, although we are being slightly more optimistic these days about his situation. 
situation. But with a kid who can find the back of the net, hopefully this will be that centerpiece, allowing Vela and Rossi to play on the wings and allowing this kid to play center. And hopefully this could be the make-or-break situation that's going to enable us to score more than two freaking goals per game. And getting $1.75 million in GAM in these two other deals, Philly, tells me that while I don't think we'll be opening up a DP slot, giggity, I think that <laughs> oh, the $1.75 million that pineapple million juice, brother. will go a long way towards making Chicho Arango stay here in Los Angeles a little bit better. So it'll be fun to watch. Speaking of things that could eventually affect Los Angeles, Philly, the U.S. women's national team are through to the semis in Tokyo. It's been so much fun to watch this team, but they're not dominating. They're not dominating. They lost to Sweden 3-0. They didn't lose. They got whooped by Sweden 3-0. And this one, Philly... A Swedish shebang-bang. An incredibly tight match with the Netherlands. Adrian Mayadema had two goals. The U.S. had two goals, and it was all up to Alyssa Nair, who came up huge in PKs with two big saves. The U.S. plays Canada in one semifinal, and it's Sweden-Australia in the other. Both matches, Philly, are August 2nd, and it will be fun to see which of these women will join Angel City in 2022. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Hopefully the time zone changes for the matches on the Olympics. Haven't screwed up everybody's sleeping schedule. I know they've kind of screwed up ours, but that's that's okay. We, we are up at the, the next uh, minute that goes off the clock. We'll turn it from Jan- July 31st over to August 1st, by the way. So we're up at 12 o'clock watching Olympic golf. Xander Shoffley on the 18th hole. Currently, uh, he, he's hitting from the rough, and I mean it in all honesty. He's he's literally hitting from the rough. There you go. A little, little pitch, and we're watching it now kind of trickle. Anyways, Philly, what about the U.S. men? They, they barely got by Cutter to make a U.S.-Mexico Gold Cup final. Our condolences again to Mark Anthony K. Losing that match. It's. I do want to ask you about one thing, Philly. I want to ask you about one thing. Yes. The chant. The chant is back at Mexico games. And so what was the solution for the chant? They pull both teams off the pitch as Canada had all the momentum going. Yeah. And then they're allowed to come back out on the pitch. Mexico regroups, gets a game winner. Your thoughts on the chant, Philly? I mean, I I don't like the chant. And how many times do people have to be? How many times do sanctions have to occur? I mean, as it stands, if there's a if there's one disruption, they go to the center of the pitch. If there's another one, they go to the locker room. If there's a third one, they call the game off. I mean, do we really want to be testing these 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 referees and these officials? I mean, I think unless something major happens, this chance not going to go away. It obviously is impossible to police. Uh, you're not going to tell an entire stadium to go because all hell will break loose. I mean, the chant is, look, we, we don't need to go into the semantics of it. It's just something that we don't want to hear, and, and that's, that's what it is. However, going to the game, that match between Canada and Mexico was highly, highly entertaining. This crop of Canadian 
million players. I mean, this is their golden generation. Yep. This is a team that absolutely has a chance at qualifying for the World Cup. I'm excited to see what the likes of an Alfonso Davies uh, is going to contribute to this. Because, well, they didn't have Davies, which is easily their greatest export. Yep. But it was a dynamite matchup. Very, very close game. And if anything, the fights that occurred at the end of that match, <laughs> you know there's going to be a massive rivalry now between El Tree and the Canadians. So that looking forward to that. And then that match with the U.S., that was an exciting match too. They were getting dominated by Cutter. Dominated. And I thought the, uh, the host nation of the next World Cup was going to be a powder puff team. No way. This is a team to be reckoned with. They easily could have annihilated the U.S., but Matt Turner came in clutch. This is our number one keeper. No offense to to, to Horvath or, 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 or Johnson. This is our number one what, what keeper. What about Zach Stefan, Philly? What nah, about- well, I said Johnson. That's, I meant Stefan. I was thinking Johnson because I watched an NYCFC game recently. I mean, Matt Turner is great. We got to see him with our own eyes play against LAFC in that oh, exhibition match. Good. He was highly entertaining, and he was such such a good keeper. But we have U.S. play Mexico uh, today now because it is uh, it is August the 1st. It is. This Gold Cup's been played 15 times, Scarf. Yes. The U.S. has won it six times. Mexico has won it eight times. And as it stands over the course of the past couple of years, from 2011, 2011 was Mexico. 2015 was the U.S. Uh, I'm sorry, 2013 was the U.S. 2015, Mexico. 2017, U.S. 2019, Mexico. All right. Could 2021 be U.S. if it fits that scheme? I like it. It's possible. Here's the problem. We came with our B team, so we'll see what happens. But it's- But there is the argument that if we're saying, oh, we came with our B team, then are we really... Are we disrespecting Major League Soccer by saying, well, all right, these guys are from like our top league and we're saying these aren't the greatest of the U.S. I will players. answer that question for you. Okay. Yes. Okay. All yes. right. <laughs> Moving right along. <laughs> Christian Pulisic, Weston McKinney, uh, all those guys, Josh Gio Sargent, Reina. Gio Reyna. I mean, yeah, all right. All come right. on. Suggest Sar- Sar- How great Brooks. would it be? Can we talk about this? I just want to throw something. This wasn't in our notes or anything. I want to know what y'all think about this. How cool would it be? I would buy tickets, Philly, for the U.S. men's national team against a U.S. men's select team. Kind of like what the basketball team did, right? To get ready for the Olympics. How cool would it be to see our A team or like all of the the players who don't play in MLS or, or the players who wouldn't make the starting 11 or the 18, and then you line up the best MLS Americans and just have them play against each other? I think it would be so much fun. I mean, I think you're on to something. I think we need to uh, get on the bat phone and call the soccer Don and make this ish happen. I mean, look, I'm already super excited about the uh, Liga MX versus MLS match. That's By the way, it's coming up in like... And I got some three tickets. Yeah, I also got my tickets. Philly's I'm going. going to the game. He's and we're going excited. to the All-Star game, like skills competition the day after. Yep. I'm looking forward before, to it. Day before. Day before. No, what I say? After. Oh, my bad. Yep. Philly, what was the first professional sporting event held at the, college, at the uh, new SoFi Stadium? Do you know? Yeah. What was it? It was the L.A. Giltini's rugby team against the team from Utah. Worst name in the history of sports in Los Angeles, but... It'd be like the equivalent of Scarf calling one of his teams the Scarf Teenies. Yeah, more like the Scarf Beers. I don't know. Sears. Scarf Sears. (laughs) That already sounds cheap. Scarf Shots. I don't know. Yeah, it's if you guys don't know the story of the Giltinis, this guy, was it Gilchrist or Gil, Gillingham? Or, Gil Martin, maybe? Gil Martin, I, I don't know. Yeah, Gil something His last name other. is Gil something. He owns the team, so he decided, I like martinis. 
Why don't I call them the Giltinis? Don't worry, it gets better. He How many yes-men did this guy have around he, he him? He doesn't have any yes-men. He owns the whole damn team. He doesn't need to have any yes-men. He just goes in a room and goes, ha, I have an idea, as he talks to himself. My idea was conceived while drinking a dirty martini. So here's the other thing, though. He owns a team, another team in the MLR, Major League Rugby, in, is it Austin, right? Austin, the Texas team. And they're called the Gilgronies because he also likes Negronis. Fire, dude. Like your your names are terrible, but your rugby team is pretty good because they are playing at the Coliseum today against Rugby ATL. That's from the Dirty Dirty in Atlanta for the MLR Championship. We will not be going, but it'll be uh it'll be fun to watch. So good luck, Giltinis. Last thing before we get into some LAFC stuff, just because you're listening to our podcast. So every now and then we get to say some stuff about stuff we love. Not just big deal for the Dodgers getting Trey Turner, Max Scherzer, by the way, which is huge. But Philly, the New York Metropolitans got Javi Baez. Yeah, a World Series winner with the Chicago Cubs. And in fact, he made his presence felt at City Field, slugging a monster home run off the Cincinnati Reds. Woo! Welcome Javi Baez to Queens, New York, baby. Love it. All right, that, that ends all of our banter. Holy crap, that was a lot to talk about. This might be a longer episode than we originally yeah, anticipated. I think we're going to bang the rest of this part out here because we do it pretty quickly. This day in LAFC history. Now, Woo! we were supposed to have recorded this a couple of days ago, so I did put a couple of things in the This Day in LAFC history. So bear with me for just a second, if you will. We are, again, recording this right now. It is Sunday, August 1st at 12.06 in the morning. We were going to record this Saturday, July 31st. Either way, we're on to July, this Wednesday. we were on July 28th, 2019. LAFC and Shaft Brewer Jr. mutually agreed to part ways. Shaft played in four matches and one very ill-begotten start. That was a rough one. On the 29th in 2017, before LAFC had even played a match, Bob Bradley throws out the first pitch at Dodger Stadium on Dodger night. Two years later, on the 29th, a huge move for LAFC as they acquire Eddie Segura on a permanent basis from Atletico Huila, the multi-year deal after his six-month loan. And Carlos Vela and Edward Atuesta were named to the 2019 MLS Week 22 Team of the Week. On the 30th in 2018, this was a big deal when it happened. Didn't turn out to be a big deal for the remainder of the deal. LAFC announced a three-year partnership with guests for off-field suiting and custom fashion. Much to the delight of Lee Wynn, Guess was founded in Los Angeles in 1981. Also on the 30th in 2019, I remember watching this with you, Philly, on a team with Jonah Dos Santos and Wayne Rooney, Carlos Vela participated in the 2019 version of the MLS All-Star Skills Contest. And on the 31st in 2019, Carlos Vela and Walker Zimmerman start in the 2019 MLS All-Star Game versus Atletico Madrid. Mark Anthony Kay and Diego Rossi sub in as Walker and Vela come out after halftime. Rossi played about 21 minutes in the match, excuse me, 31 minutes in the match, played till the 76th minute. And Joao Felix subs in for Atletico Madrid in the 56th and scores in the 85th. And this was, it looked bad for Major League Soccer in this as we lost 3-0. And that, Philly, is this day in LAFC history. Let me go really quickly through the former LAFC player notes. And we're done. All right, Philly, (laughs) go ahead and give us 
a little Las Vegas Lights update. Yeah, the Lights pl- were in action this past Tuesday, and they had a big 3-1 win for second-place Orange County Soccer Club at home in Cashman Field in Vegas. Our boy, University of Central Florida Knight, Cal Jennings, with a brace. Two goals. And Eric Oloski in injury time, seals that deal. Orange County Soccer Club's goal, though, was scored by Eric's brother, Brian. I thought Brian. there was some sort of misprint when I was looking at the score. Is I didn't do any research on this game. Wait a minute. The brothers were yeah. playing against each yeah. other? Yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. That's, That's awesome. why I wanted to note it. So Brian scored in the 39th minute, and then his brother Eric sealed the deal in, in injury time. So I, I thought cool. that was pretty neat. Vegas currently sits in fourth place in the table with a record of 5-1-9, and nine, 13 points less than the first place Phoenix Rising, and a mere five points from third place San Diego Loyal. They are tied in points with Los Dos, though. All right. So, that, by the way, that's And that the, is your Las Vegas Lights update. Thank you. That's the first of two brotherly references we're about to have on this podcast. Don't worry. Scarf did a deep dive on the research. Getting into the LAFC versus Minnesota United game, Philly, before we talk about anything about what happened in or around the game, I have a complaint. LAFC front office, I know that you guys often listen to our podcast. Thank you so much. We know that you guys are big fans. And we appreciate you listening. I have a major complaint. You see, we have two of the best graphics people in the business. They did an incredible match day poster, you know, print thing, and it was pulp fiction based. And there were no lineup cards with that on there. I wanted it so bad. Carlos Fellow looked awesome. They, Jeff and, and Cervantes, you guys are absolutely incredible at what you guys do. Why were there no lineup cards? And Scarf is off the soapbox. Philly. Oh, boy. The guitar is back all of a sudden. So. Oh, God. Why why did the guitar come back? What happened? I Back by popular demand. Is it? So Minnesota United playing LAFC at the bank. And they are one of the rare teams, Philly. Thanks to your Indiana boy, Mason Toy, who have actually beaten LAFC at Bank of California Stadium. Before you get into that, Philly, real quick, uh, I believe Xander Shoffley just won the gold medal. He did. Xander Shoffley with the gold medal, and 13 people get the bronze, according to the scoreboard. What do you mean 13 people look get at, the bronze? Look at all the threes. Look at there. All of them are tied for 15th. How do you, with 15 under, how are you going to separate it? I think we have like 18 bronze medal winners in this thing. Jinkies. So congratulations, Xander Shoffley. Colin Morikawa, also of the United States, with bronze. Philly, we've lost to Minnesota United at the bank. Minnesota United's record versus LAFC, 1-1-2. And And both these clubs are getting together for the first time since 2019. In the last three matches, the last one to occur was on September 29th, 2019. It was a tie. September 1st, 2019, you said it, Mason Toy, Indiana Hoosier product, puts the shebang bang on LAFC. That was the weekend when I was in Cartagena for a wedding. The previous year, July 22nd, 2018, they killed us 5-1, to one, and then we have the only win against them May 9th of 2018 when we beat them 2 to nothing. So we don't have that much history with Minnesota United. They've done their thing against us. Minnesota United has won 6 out of their last 10 after losing 4 straight to open the season, but only one win 
on the road. We thought, okay, maybe that this situation will continue to extend itself. Dane St. Clair, who was the backup for Maxime Crepeau on the yeah. Canadian national team, he lost his job to a, a familiar party in the name of Tyler Miller. Yep. And Tyler Miller, within 10 matches for Minnesota United, five clean sheets. We haven't. I don't remember the last time our team has seen five clean sheets. Ty, Tyler Miller's got five of them this year, and he had 19 clean sheets during his time with LAFC. So even though we are blessing and bestowing the honor of LAFC's next great keeper as Thomas Romero, he still has a bit of a hill to climb as far as Tyler Miller's stats are concerned. Yeah, look, Tyler has been the reason, for the most part, by the way, that Minnesota United, in their 10 games coming into this, had been unbeaten. Turns out they'll make it 11. But that being said, it, it really has been, Philly, the Tyler Miller show in goal for these last 10 games. You mentioned it. Six wins, three draws, just one loss in these last 10 games. Tyler Miller has been the reason why they have come way up in the standings. In fact, after today's standings, we are now tied on 23 points in fifth and sixth. More on that a little bit later. Philly, Raheem Edwards capping 15 times from Minnesota United last year, hoping that that would become a factor in today's, or in the game, not today's match, but in the match that we were going to talk about the day of the match, but now it's several days after the match. Philly, getting into the lineups, let's talk first about the lineup for LAFC and a big milestone coming into this match for one of our players. Yeah, the star man playing on the right. His name is Latif Blessing, and he's really, really good. <laughs> Congrats to Latif <laughs> Blessing on getting his 100th cap, his 100th appearance with LAFC. He currently has 125 matches played overall in Major League Soccer. If you don't remember, he was on Sporting Kansas City with Benny Failhaber, who was yep. a part of that inaugural roster. Hello, Benny. We know you're a big fan of the pod. Hell, you've been on the pod. So that's pretty cool. Go in back in the LAFC. I'm sorry, in the Defenders of the Bank archives and check out that episode that we did with Benny Failhaber. And it would be a good time to listen to it because Benny did score one of the greatest goals against Mexico. Well, yep. It was against Mexico. Yep. One of the greatest goals in U.S. soccer history. So go back in time there. So congrats to Latif Blessing on his 100th cap. We're talking about the starting lineup. I'm going first. Is that really the case? Yeah, yeah. I just I want to throw one quick other thing about Latif Blessing in there, Philly. He's really, really dynamite. He really is. He's also played in more matches in black and gold than any player in our club's history. Correct. 118 appearances across all competitions for LAFC. Two ahead of the man who scored the first goal against the Sounders, Diego Rossi, 116. And I believe only three players, Edward Atuesta being the third, have capped over 100 times for the black and gold. Congrats to one of our favorite players in team history, Latif Blessing. Yeah, Philly, let's mix things up a little bit. Why don't you start it out with the 5-3-2 of LAFC? Sure. Thomas Romero between the pipes. You got Kim Moon Hwan, which, by the way, there was the controversy behind his name. If you listen to the last Inside LAFC podcast with Max and Vince, according to, to Kim Moon Hwan and, and, and his handler, Ben Chi, Ben Chi, what's we know going him. on, man? He likes, he's fine with going by the name Moon. He is. Bob calls him Moon. Kim Moon Hwan is cool with being called Moon, so... For anybody who gets offended or upset that anybody calls him Moon, 
Kim Moon Wan's cool with being called Moon. That's what the boys call him. That's what the team calls him. So that ends that controversy. Kim Moon Wan. We got Tristan Blackman, who Tristan Blackman had a very fun game playing against his old uh, his old roomie. Yep. It was him, Walker Zimmerman, and Tyler Miller. We called them the Santa Monica boys because yep. they always uh, they were always out there together taking the train to the bank. Anyway, I digress. We got Jesus David Murillo, Marco Farfan, Chiki Palacios, Latif Blessing, Edward Atuesta, Jose Cifuentes, Carlos Vela, Diego Rossi. Our bench consisted of, well, <laughs> really just Raheem Edwards, if you really want to break it down. <laughs> but I guess I'll read everybody else's name. Pablo Cisniega, Jordan Harvey, Bryce Dew, Corey Baird, Mama Dufal, Danny Musaski, Brian Rodriguez. And you'll find out later, unless you already know why I mentioned the only part of our bench that really mattered today was Raheem Edwards. I would like to say I'm learning something about Olympic golf as we're watching this. It is a <laughs> seven-way playoff for the bronze medal. This is how into this have. podcast he is, folks. Seven He's drinking way. pineapple juice and watching golf. <laughs> the scarf is aging right before I, our very ears. That's the whitest thing I've ever done in my life at the same time. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, seven-way playoff for the bronze medal. For Minnesota United, they are coached by Adrian Heath. And all Adrian Heath did in his playing career was play over 550 times in English first and second division teams. A couple of them you might have heard of. 120 Maybe goals. Manchester City, Aston Villa, Everton. That's where he Stoke. cut his teeth. I mean, this guy played everywhere. Sheffield United, Burnley. He even played for Espanyol in La Liga for a season. He's as good as it gets in terms of his pedigree and coming in and being a coach. He also had to deal with the uh, with coaching Orlando City in Major League Soccer, which that's never a winning proposition for any of the coaches. Unless and, they're in USL. He did do well in USL. He did do fine in USL, sure. The unfortunate part is he actually has a losing record as a coach yep. when it comes to Major League Soccer 58 wins with Minnesota, 64 losses, and 30 draws. And so he comes in. It's Look, it's not an easy job to rebuild a team or to guide a team through when they become an MLS team from USL, or in this case, NASL, as Minnesota United did. But Adrian Heath has been there the entire time. couple players out for injury. Michael Boxall, the 32-year-old from New Zealand, his 118 appearances for Minnesota United as an MLS club are first in club history. And by the by, that's the same number of appearances as Leaf Blessing has for black and gold. Also injured Philly is a player who we, we really grew to not like very much because of how good he was against us. The two-time MLS Defender of the Year 2017-2019 Ike Opara is still dealing with the effects of a concussion suffered in 2020. So we hope for a quick and speedy recovery for Ike Opara because nobody wants to deal with concussion syndrome. Let's get into the 4-3-3. Tyler Miller in goal. That's right. The very same Tyler Miller who had 68 appearances with LAFC, 20 clean sheets, However, I believe, Philly, it was those nine goals he gave up in just three playoff contests that uh, really had people wanting to drive him to the airport, if you know what I mean. <laughs> great community guy, though, who we were able to hang out with on several occasions, really did a lot of great things in the community. And as we've said before, Minnesota completely turning things around since inserting Tyler in the lineup. Chase Gasper, the 25-year-old Virginia native, former UCLA kid, who made his U.S. men's national team debut in a match that I believe we were at, the 1-0 win over Costa Rica at Dignity Health Sports Park. 
Bakaye, the million-dollar man Debasi, born in Paris, but a citizen of Mali, played his whole career in France before Minnesota United. I said there'd be a second mention of a brotherly pair on this podcast, and it starts with Brent Coleman. Omaha! He went to Creighton. He's been with Minnesota United FC since 2013. 2013, Philly, when they were all the way back in the NASL. His 78 appearances for Minnesota are fourth all-time, and he also had another 48 appearances with them in the NASL. And the fun fact, Philly, is that Brent's brother, Brian Coleman, played 91 matches for the NASL club, including many alongside his brother playing right back while Brian here, or excuse me, Brent, played center back. I have another brotherly connection that's tied to LAFC and Minnesota United. I can't wait. Oh, oh, okay. So Carlos Vela has a brother named Alejandro. He does. Yes, and Alejandro played for Minnesota United during its NASL tenure. He made eight appearances for the Loons in 2015. How about that? Alejandro Vela, Philly deep diving. We got another brotherly connection. We got three brotherly connections on this podcast. Roman Metzanire, no word on if he has a brother or not, played for several years in my favorite league to pronounce Liga 1 out in France. He is a Madagascar international capping 15 times for the national team, and he has one goal and nine assists in 65 appearances for I Minnesota. I can't say I've ever watched the Madagascar international I team I have play. never seen them play, but their cartoon about animals was funny. I enjoyed <laughs> All it. All hail the New York Giants! <laughs> Will Trapp, the 28-year-old Ohio native with extensive MLS and U.S. men's national team experience, 204 appearances for his hometown Columbus crew, and he played with Inter-Miami last season. Ja'Cory Hayes, who was actually born on Andrews Air Force Base, which is kind of neat came over from dallas and was once part of the timbers organization dotson we've got dotson here everybody hassani dotson the 23 year old oregon state beaver 68 caps seven goals five assists for minnesota united a player who really came to haunt us in this match emmanuel reynoso the 25 year old argentine designated player he came over from one of the world's fun clubs to follow Boca Juniors, the Minnesota United's creator on the pitch, 13 assists in 30 matches, also four goals, and he had six assists and a goal last year, Philly, in last year's MLS Cup playoffs. Robin Ludd, 28-year-old Finnish do-it-all defender, played in his native Finland for a while before going to Panathinaikos. Panathinaikos. The Greek team that I... And sporting... The Greek giant. They are are giant. They are, that's true. But they're known more for their basketball, I believe. Sporting Gijon in La Liga 2, the same league where Brian Rodriguez was shipped off normal style over to Abu Dhabi there. (laughs) 15 goals and 7 assists in 49 matches with Minnesota United. He also has 48 caps for Finland where he is an absolute legend. And rounding out the starting lineup, Ethan Finley, another Creighton product, played with Columbus from 2012 to 2017. 88 appearances for Minnesota United. Oh, Creighton, Third. shout out to your future brother-in-law. Oh, boy. Third in club history. In the 18, Philly, DJ Taylor, a 23-year-old from North Carolina, who would see extensive action in this one. More on that in a minute. One of the true all-time greats to ever play in Major League Soccer, Ozzy Alonzo, a sounder for 11 years before joining Minnesota last season. An MLS legend midfielder, the Cuban, who has 17 caps for the national team, is two appearances away from 400 
total Major League Soccer appearances, and his 339 for Seattle is a first all-time in club history. Jan Gregush, the Slovakian international. That's what you need to mix with your uh, pineapple. So Gregush. Jan Gregush. Yep, I like it. The Slo- I don't want to, not him, just the last name, just Gregush. I don't. Never mind. Uh, the Slovakian <laughs> international played in Denmark, the Czech Republic, and a year in the so third tier the in scarf. England with the Bolton Wanderers before coming to Minnesota United. Four goals, 17 assists in 70 matches for the Minnesota United DP. And he also has two red cards for them as well. Juan Aguadella, who's on his fifth MLS team, a list that includes Chivas USA. And I, I got to mention this guy because he was in the 18. Yuka Raidala, drafted by LAFC in our expansion draft and then traded for Laurent Simon. He later scored an own goal uh, for Montreal against LAFC in April of 2018. Thanks, Yuka. Oh, is that it? <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Because it was, it, it's, it, that was that definitely was, one of those seamless transitions. That was a long time that I just talked about the Minnesota United. Yeah, no, an awfully long time, which is why I wasn't quite sure that you were done. So yeah, since sorry. we're segueing, are we going to talk about the match now? Wait, or are you going to go back to watching golf and drinking pineapple juice? Time out. I'm still watching golf. I ran out of pineapple juice. And in the third minute, Philly, we almost had a goal just like that. It's Carlos Vela bending one just wide of that far post. Just like himself. With the left foot. Philly, we almost had. That would have been our first signature Vela goal, in my opinion, this season. He scored a bunch with his right foot this year, Philly. More on that in just a minute. Yeah, it's a nice sequence, though. Rossi finding Sifu, and he lets a pass fly to Vela. Vela one-on-one with Casper, and, I mean... That's what how you that's how you want Vela. You want him to go one on one. He tried to curl it in the upper left hand corner, Tyler Miller, but it just missed the mark. Casper to the friendly ghost. Gasper. There you go. <laughs> did I say Casper? You did. My bad. I meant Gasper. That's okay. It's I think it's in your notes with a C. That's kind of funny. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Go he back to your pineapple juice. He will read whatever you put boy. the tele, whatever you put on the teleprompter, guys. He will read it in the fifth minute. I'm Tristan. Ron Burgundy. <laughs> Oh, San Diego. In the fifth minute, Tristan with a beautiful recovery to head out the cross for a corner for Minnesota United. It's the first corner of the night for LAFC in the eighth minute. Nothing happening from there. And in the twelfth, that's just that guy, Casper Gasper, the friendly ghost. A harmless <laughs> chip gloved by Romero. And the first real test for Tyler Miller, Philly, came in the lucky 13th minute. Lucky number 13, Sifu, once again threads the needle and finds his teammate Carlos Vela, who gets another nice look at his former teammate. But this time, it is Tyler Miller. And by the way, my autocorrect, for whatever reason, kept referring to Tyler Miller as Tyler Mullet. So (laughs) we're going to call him Tyler Mullet, even though he doesn't have a mullet. So Tyler Miller gets a hand on it and makes the save. And Kim Moonwan had it in the box. He got stripped of the ball. The crowd was yelling for a foul, but no such thing occurred. But it was Tyler Miller getting the better of Carlos Vela to begin things within this match. Yeah, and let's talk about that passing. Sifu with the pass. He has become such a good passer. It was a pass from Sifu in the third minute that sprung Vela to a little bit of space there as he just missed that one wide of the far post. And it's a pass here again from Sifu as Tyler Miller making the save on Carlos Vela in the 15th minute. A through ball from Rossi just misses Jose Cifuentes. And after a long pass from Tyler Miller, the ball drops perfectly yep. to Great Robin Lund. That was a beautiful pass by Tyler, who plays it wide to Reynoso. It was an easy save, even though it says it's a diving save in the book. I don't even think it was actually on target. But either way, nicely done by Romero early on in Philly. We have an actual soccer injury happening in the 18th minute. Yep, looks like an actual... <laughs> 
Casper. I mean, you got you got the C and his first name was Chase, and then G, Gasper, Casper. You could see where the mistake in my notes would have occurred. But he didn't see anything either during the match or on the rewatch, but it was said to have been a hip flexor injury on Gasper. Gasper was the only Minnesota United player to play every minute this season, and instantaneously we have a sub. It's DJ Taylor in for Chase Gasper. Yeah, and he again, I want to point this out. Chase Gasper was actually hurt with a hip injury and somehow made it off the field relatively quickly. I just, I don't know why I'm pointing that out, Philly, but I'm just pointing that out for now, early on in the podcast. He he made it off the field quickly and actually had an injury. In the 19th minute, Hayes gets to the top of Carlos Vela's foot on a late challenge. Vela's okay, but man, Philly, I don't know about you. Anytime Carlos Vela starts limping around or grimaces or whatever, and then he motions to the bench, Grimace. I'm okay. All I think of is, well, you motioned to the bench that you were okay the last two times you were really hurt. So just tell the bench how you really are, and then I'll, I'll feel a lot better. Jose Cifuentes, man. Another one? 20th minute? Are you kidding? A nice little back heel to Cheeky. That ball had to be played out by Minnesota United also in the 20th minute. A nice little Vela and Moon. A nice one, little two. Vela. <laughs> it was a nice little Vela a, a nice and Moon Juan Vela. too. Uh, just Carlos Vela and Kim Moon Juan clearly. Their connection have, is quite brilliant. They're incredible, man. It was a bit of a heavy first touch by Moon on the Vela pass, but anytime those two are near each other, you see Kim Moon Juan making those overlapping runs, those inside runs, and Carlos has got to be thinking, finally, I got somebody on that side, not Rossi on the opposite side, but somebody on his own side that is making those world-class runs like he's been waiting for. Yeah, no doubt. We roll in in the 22nd-ish minute or so. We see Tristan Blackman hurt in the box. Latif Blessing trying to generate some offense. He has a shot that hits the left part of the netting. Props to Latif. As Rogo said on the broadcast, he made something out of nothing. But, you know, consequently, Tristan Blackman on the ground. And, uh, you know, he's clearly undergoing some type of concussion protocol after taking a shot from uh, Hassani Dotson. But, hey, Tristan's good. And Tristan would come back with a vengeance a little uh, a little later on. <laughs> yeah, 20- That's my Topo Chico break right there, There folks. you go. 25th minute, great recovery by Cheeky to force a corner for Minnesota United. Farfan and Cheeky still getting used to playing next to each other on that side, clearly. In the 26th minute, that corner involved a great punch away there by Tomas Romero. Loved how assertive he was on that particular play. He wasn't so assertive on another, but it wound up not costing us. In between the 29th and the 30th minute or so, Diego Rossi, his shot blocked from just outside the goal box. Ball played back to Kim Moon Juan, whose shot is blocked high into the air, settles in front of Latif. And guys, my favorite play in soccer almost happened. Except, unfortunately, Latif completely missed the ball on his bicycle kick attempt. Rossi had a chance early on to make something happen, but he just kind of seemed stuck in neutral on that. It really not that assertive, Philly. 30 minutes in, and, and you know, both clubs with some with some good chances, but, you know, it, it, just, it was still 0-0, neither team playing on the front foot. Nope, but in the 40th minute... The goose egg is broken. The deadlock is broken. As a result of an intercepted pass from Jose Cifuentes. He intercepts a pass in the midfield, passes it to Carlos Vela. Yet again, another connection. Another Colombian-Mexican connection right there. Sifu to Vela. And the captain, despite getting pushed down by Debasi, smashes one past his former teammate, Tyler Miller. As he's falling down, he chips it over the left shoulder of Tyler <laughs> Mullet, as my notes are. <laughs> her auto-correcting and what a beautiful goal Carlos with his fifth of the season and his fourth straight game in which he has had a goal our captain 
is back off to the races, and now he is tied with Sifu and Rossi is our leading scorer. Yeah, Philly, you know, this really came against the run of play, in my opinion, as well. Uh, You know, back in the 34th, we had a nice little shot by Cheeky where he took the space they gave him. And then really from then on out... He did have a nice crack at it. I forgot that part. Yeah, but honestly, from there on out, Philly, until the 40th minute, we had Diego Rossi with a turnover. And luckily, Hassani Dotson misses a shot wide. In the 38th minute, Robin Ludd just misses after the cross by Ethan Finley, where they caught LAFC out wide. And at 39th, another turnover by Tristan Blackman after one too many touches. Minnesota really controlled run of play, but oh my goodness, you just, Carlos Vela is so good. And again, you mentioned Charlie Golasso. It's it's all because of Jose Cifuentes, Philly. All because of Jose Cifuentes. He makes that save right in the middle of the pitch, takes it all the way. Incredible. Four minutes of stoppage time. A huge bullet dodged by LAFC in the third minute of stoppage time. A free kick, and it's played somewhat surprisingly low and wide. And it's that little worm burner of a pass, Philly, that really caught everybody by surprise. I actually think our defense thought Latif Blessing would get to that ball. Ball played across the box, and if not for Jesus David Murillo, it's Tristan Blackman kept everybody on side in that one, a little off. And Thomas Romero got a glove on it, pushing it just wide of the far post. Ethan Finley couldn't get to that deflected ball. It really could have, should have, Philly, been one nothing at the half. And again, I know you're going to get into possession and all the stats and everything, but I really felt like as halftime ended, it was Minnesota United with most of the good chances. LAFC just capitalized on their best one. Yeah, but... You got to give credit to where credit's due. Tyler Miller did have a nice save yep. on Carlos Vela. Look, we could have just as easily been up 3 nothing ourselves. If Carlos's curler in the second minute would have hit the upper left, that would have been one. Had he squeezed that ball past Tyler Miller on that beautiful pass from Jose Cifuentes, that was another. And, of course, the, the goal that he did score was, uh, was world-class. So that was a good thing. So as much as Minnesota United might have had some of the better chances, we still could have been up 3 nothing. But for whatever reason, we're, we're, we're cursed. We're jinxed. We can't score more than two goals. And, and it's, it's awful considering all the records we shattered a couple of years ago. So as far as the stats are concerned, we dominated possession. 59-42 and shooting. 9-3. to <laughs> that's a big, big deal. But like you said, Minnesota United may have had more of the good chances. Starting the second half, though, we have a sub. <laughs> the only time you're going to hear us say that for <laughs> LAFC all game. We had a sub, and it was Raheem Edwards in for Jesus David Murillo. Y'all could probably ask, why did this happen? If you listen to the presser, Bob said that there was a hamstring issue with Murillo and they didn't want to take a chance. So they subbed Raheem Edwards and he starts the second half for the black and gold. Yeah, and you know what? I thought Raheem played really well considering he only had to play 45 minutes and everybody else on the team played 90 plus. I thought he played really, really well. Unfortunately, Philly, it only took about four minutes for Minnesota to find the equalizer. Robin Ludd finding Reynoso on the left side. And look, it was 1v1. Emmanuel Reynoso against Marco Farfan, and Reynoso just beat him. It was an absolutely beautiful individual effort. He goes opposite side of the goal to equalize 1-1. He's on the left side, goes to the, the innermost workings of the, as Philly would like to say, polyurethane. And just a bad, bad set of 1v1 defending by Marco Farfan. 
did not play that very well. And Robin Lode with a great pass. And Reynoso with an even better goal, Philly. And just like that, it's 1-1. I mean, it was a great transition play. I mean, that, that ball from Lud came in right off of a throw-in. There was a ball that came out, I believe it was off of Raheem Edwards, and Minnesota United didn't hesitate. They didn't blink. They threw it in, and boom, just like that, they score a goal. They stretched out Romero. The young keeper did his best to try to, to make that save, but it's pretty goal, but pretty crappy that this game is now tied. Yeah, 50th minute, a great cross from Raheem Edwards, and Vela has to, has it go wide and high off his head. I really thought Vela should have put that a little more on target than he did. A really nice pass from Raheem Edwards. The Lakers would not have loved that vertical by Carlos Vela on that one. 53rd minute, a corner for LAFC after Latif may have been fouled in the box. It was a great back post corner, but unfortunately nobody could get on the other side of Vela's good ball. And in the 56th minute, a great overlapping run by Kim Moon Hwan and a cheeky back heel from Vela. We talked about the connection between those two, and it's another save by Tyler Miller. The ensuing corner, we kept Minnesota defending after the corner but we just couldn't get anything to go, Philly. And honestly, we're about an hour in when the million-dollar man, Debassi, gets himself a yellow card, the free kick, man, another back post ball, and narrowly misses Tristan. So after an hour, Philly, we're still knotted at one. Yep, 62nd minute. Carlos can't get a shot off after a good run of play. A little later in the minute, Sifu does what Cheeky did earlier, but no one closed down on him, so he took a solid shot from a little bit of distance on the left side, but there's Tyler Miller to corral it yet again. 64th minute, it's Raheem Edwards just missing Diego Rossi with a good through ball. Good effort by by Edwards. I mean, making the best of his time, doing his thing. 65th minute, a kick save needed by Tyler as Atuesta puts a great ball over the top to Rossi. Rossi with a little shake and bake. 1v1, but Tyler Miller is there. First good chance for Rossi this match. And a couple minutes later, Will Trap absolutely earns his yellow card. Two separate fouls, and Vela is pissed. Very handsy and very grabby, Will. No means no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Vela, he actually kicks the ball like right at Finley at the end of that play, too. I was glad he didn't earn himself a, a yellow for retaliating, but a very, very blatant grab of the jersey twice there by Will Trap. I believe they called it a, a professional foul, is what uh, Heath Pierce called it on the broadcast, but it was bad. Uh, A sub for Minnesota United, and they get to bring one of their designated players off the bench. Ja'Cory Hayes comes out, and Jan Gregush comes in. And I wrote in my notes, it's another threat on the pitch for the Loons. LAFC offside in the 71st minute. 73rd minute. Again, somehow Adrian Heath figured out how to get a couple of subs on Juan Aguadello in for Robin Lud and Ozzy Alonso in for Reynoso. I really thought taking out Lud and Reynoso meant that Minnesota was playing for a 1-1 draw. You know, Ozzy isn't the uh, the spry midfielder that he once was, but I guess you could say they, they kept their offense rolling. And, and unfortunately, it just 75 minutes in Philly, LAFC still not able to string passes through in that final attacking third to get themselves in a good position to get some shots. Scarf, yep. why is Minnesota United called the Loons? I don't know. Because the Loon is the state bird of the state of Minnesota. I did know that. I just wanted you to tell the millions. And millions. Yeah, it's uh, it's on their scarf. It's in their logo. 
Uh, it, it's pretty cool. Philly, how, uh, let me just ask you a quick question. So we're talking about Minnesota here for a minute. Where would it rank for you, MLS experiences, being able to be in the Wonderwall, singing Wonderwall with that crowd in Minnesota United, being the massive Oasis fan that you are? Yeah, Oasis is definitely my top five favorite bands. Uh, it wouldn't, ha- it would have to be, in a, in, I mean, it's up there. It's. Yeah, not against LAFC. Mike. No, not against LAFC, but man, I'd love to sit in the Wonderwall. I have, have Minnesota United do their thing and just hear that stadium erupt. I mean, that's one of the prettier stadiums that we've seen in Major League Soccer. Great atmosphere, great crowd participation, and heck, they even sing Oasis when the team wins. I'm all for it, just not when it's against LAFC. No, if we go visit, not. it's going to have to be in the summertime. There's no way I'm buying a parka, although we have those really cool LAFC <laughs> I was team jackets. Say, we do have those Shout people. out Al Rafe for making that happen. Thank you, Al. We yeah, we totally could get through well, but then I'd have to have like fifteen layers on in every other part. And you of couldn't my wear body. shorts because Scarf wears shorts. I shouldn't wear shorts. Maybe that would be your saying. second nickname, the shorts. The shorts. The shorts. <laughs> May that the just, shorts be with that you. Sounds terrible. This is Bupkis. I, I found it in a cracker. I Jack see box. your shorts is as big as mine. <laughs> Lone Star. Oh my god, that would be Spaceballs, everybody. Spaceballs the podcast coming to you next from Philly and the Scarf. <laughs> the kids love it. In the 76 <laughs> minute a dangerous effort from Thomas Romero but he got there just in time to flick it away I don't know if he used his knee his toe something or the there. oh my goodness but Philly Da-da-da. pop quiz oh coming I, into the 77 quiz minute. coming from the teacher oh boy pop quiz ready who's the only team in major league soccer this season coming into this match who had not scored a goal off of a header. The Tampa Bay Mutiny. No, sir. They're not in Major League Soccer. The Tampa Bay Rowdies. S- still not in Major League Soccer. Anymore. No. Well, how, how about LAFC? Oh, that was too obvious. LAFC, the only team, Philly, to have not scored off of a header. And yet, finally, after, and even Heath Pierce was upset about this on the broadcast, after playing so many short corners and wide corners, Edward Atuesta earns a corner off of a deflection, and it was maybe it was a back post play, but it also just kind of looked like a short play in the middle. And and it's not like Tristan rose above everybody else to get that ball, Philly. It was perfect timing. Edward Atuesta to Tristan Blackman, who finds the back of the net with a header, Philly. It's his first goal since 2019 against Montreal. The stat is no longer true. LAFC with a goal off of a header in 2021. Brilliantly placed, like you said, by Edward Atuesta. His second goal ever for the black and gold. It was awesome. Tyler Miller didn't have a chance or a prayer at making that play. And I know Tyler is very close with Tristan. (laughs) I bet you Tristan clown his old teammate slash roommate after the match. I love how Tristan ran directly to the bench and to the coaching staff, and all of them were so proud. Ante and Kenny and Bob, they were all hugging at him and, and slapping at him. That was really cool. But re-watching the match, another thing that I saw that was pretty cool, referee Mike Beltran celebrating <laughs> with and in the 32-52, and he genuinely had an amazing time at the match. You could see on LAFC social media posts how excited he was. I mean, he's even responded uh, himself. Heck, we even like messaged him and he was really happy about his experience there. Very cool to see Mike Beltran, but even cooler that Tristan Blackman scores off of a header and you said it, we haven't seen these set pieces uh, come through. Where have you been all our lives? 
Yeah, look, it's something that LAFC really needs to work on a little bit more, but I was very happy for Tristan Blackman. In the scarf minute, the 83rd minute, Diego Rossi just misses wide. See what I did? I claimed a whole minute there. For All right, me. well, then I'm... <laughs> yep. So yeah. then if I claim if I claim the 80th, then we can't call 2018 the 80th minute X. We call it the Philly X. <laughs> yeah, I, I like what you did there. You said it, not me. There we go. Well, you thought it, so I figured I just... <laughs> no, no, I no, would no. take it away from I, you. I... I <laughs> I didn't think it. That was all you and whatever guilty conscience you have going on yeah. right next to me here. Why do 80... I have all this like Jewish guilt yet my name's Christian? It's weird. <laughs> 83rd minute, Diego Rossi just missing wide, and that ball just kind of trickling across the mouth of the goal after another beautiful feed from Eduardo Tuesta. And I, I had another thought in my notes, Philly, and I, I wrote it here. I said, those are those just seem like the ones that in 2018 and 2019, and definitely in 2020, when Diego Rossi was a two-time Golden Boot winner, that he would have put away. And I really, it's just been frustrating. That's the kind of year it's been. He just wasn't able to put that away on a ball where you just thought that that would be a goal for Diego Rossi in any other season. LAFC playing a much higher line now, really pressing. And again, 85th minute, Thomas Romero was kind of unsure whether to come off his goal line or not, but luckily he just watched the ball trickle out. And I'm sorry, the most the most disappointing moment up until the next moment that we're probably <laughs> going to talk about, the most disappointing moment for me was Jose Cifuentes. When that ball landed at his feet, I thought we'd get a one-timer, Philly. I thought we'd get one of those patented Sifu blasts from the outside. Carlos Vela to Kim Moon Juan on an overlapping run, and it ends on a perfect cross yep. to Jose C. Fuentes. But he just he took like three touches. He hesitated. Oh, it, 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 probably, it happened so quickly, he didn't even realize what the heck was going on. Oh, that was It was just so Moon's overlap. He's a fast player, by the Moon's way. And Kim Moon Juan is incredible. His passing was perfect. I mean... Sifu, shoot the damn ball. Dude, I mean, it really frustrating. He gift-wrapped it. Alonzo was there to make a great yeah. deflection. I mean, you could he could have walked there rather than sprinted. We, uh, we go into what was supposed to be three minutes of stoppage time, Philly. And in the first minute, it, it, crisis averted is all I can say. I love this kid, Philly. You were so high on him coming into his starting duty. And here I am now. I, I am a convert. Two massive saves for Tomas Romero. Hassani Dotson, again, undressing Marco Farfan on that Put left him in side. His back pocket. Romero had to save it. Then Ethan Finley on the doorstep. Christian Ramirez esque had it saved by Tomas Romero. Incredible run of two saves there. Uh, you know, eventually, uh, it's, oh, God, so frustrated. Marco Farfan goes down somewhere on the back of the play. He's he's holding his like left midsection, I think it was, or right, I don't know, some midsection part of him. He took so long to get off the pitch. I was, look, you guys, uh, this is Scarf here. I didn't grow up a soccer player or really that big of a soccer fan. I credit the black and gold and my girlfriend Nina with getting me into the sport. It was actually in opposite order. It was Nina and then black and gold, but whatever, of getting me really into the sport. I, I have to say, there are two things that I, I continually have a hard time adjusting to. Number one is being a huge supporter of a club in a league that is not the best in the world, right? I'm used to NBA, Major League Baseball, NFL. Like These are the best leagues in the world, and they're here in America. MLS is the 
not the best league in the world. So that's kind of weird. But the thing, Philly, and, and you mentioned this after watching Stanley Cup playoff hockey, the thing that absolutely kills me are guys like Marco Farfan, who stays down for two minutes or so, Philly, two minutes or so, comes off with a quote-unquote soccer injury, holding his side, they blow the whistle, they restart play, and he sprints back onto the field like his hair is on fire. I hate it, Philly. Yeah, and that obviously cost us for for the neophytes that came into this game. Even though they add three minutes of stoppage time, Marco Farfan's, uh, well, faux pas falling on the uh, on the pitch you you got you got to make up for those minutes so that's why we're getting into 5 minutes of stoppage time and LAFC forced Minnesota United all the way back across the midfield stripe at around the 9430 mark no whistle no whistle we're all, we're all sweating gray goosh falling out of bounds or into touch on the right sideline miles from the goal Fires the ball across the top of the box. And it's Hassani Dotson who pulls a miracle out of his right boot. He's there. Rockets one past Tomas Romero. Even got a couple of fingertips on it. But just like that, Minnesota United snatches snatches two points from us. We were set to take three. They pull two back. They tie the game. The whistle gets blown. And just like that, two to two, a really good match. A really exciting back and forth affair. But for it to have ended the way it did, painful, painful. And could we blame it on Farfan? Yes. Yeah, we could, but at the same time, maybe we could have had a sub, waste a couple of minutes that way. Maybe Sifuentes could have punched the ball in the back of the net. Maybe Rossi could have done something. Maybe on the play with Hassani Dotson, maybe Sifu got hit. Maybe if he would have stayed with it. Maybe if we won the header. Maybe this, maybe that. Look, bottom line is it was a freakish play. An absolute freakish play. But the crappy part about that is freakish plays happen to us frequently we just went through this with portland yep you know we we had we had these situations with vancouver we have had plenty of games post the philly minute the 80th minute in which our team loses it loses the match or 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 loses the ability to to get the three points it happens day in and day out from 2018 it was the 80th minute hex then we had something a little different in 19 20 was different and now we have the 90th minute hex 90th minute hex. Like, why do we keep having hexes in the last minute? Why can't these boys play till the final whistle? Look, as Marco Farfan has to know, though, even though he's trying to stall somewhat, and he clearly was trying to stall somewhat, even though he's trying to stall... Obviously wasn't hurt. You know that any professional referee is not going to then just blow the whistle as the ball comes back into play after you were down on the pitch for two minutes, especially there's only three minutes of stoppage time. And honestly, we kind of talked about this jokingly at the start of the podcast, but wouldn't this have been a great time to maybe sub off a guy like Diego Rossi and sub in a guy like Pancho Ginella, who, I don't know, his job is kind of a defensive or a holding midfielder. He's really good in possession. Maybe we could use that to keep a little bit of the possession right at the end. Look, with no Eddie Segura, which he's got this knee issue going on, I'm not saying we bring in Mamadou Fall or Jordan Harvey. And by the way, why do I mention Mamadou Fall and Jordan Harvey? Because they are the only two true defenders in the 18 tonight. All due respect to Jordan, all due respect to Mamadou Fall, I'm going to go with the guys that got us there on the back line. But I would have loved to have seen Poncho out there 
maybe just to help park the bus a little bit. We saw great defending in the last 10-15 minutes from Edward Atuesta and Latif Blessing, for goodness sakes. This one is not on the refs. This one is on LAFC 100% of the time. Really frustrating, Philly. We talked about our last match, about how going down 2 nothing kind of allowed that draw to feel okay adjacent. This is the exact polar opposite of that. Such great play from Thomas Romero tonight, especially just minutes before that second goal with those two huge saves. Hats off to Reynoso for his first goal, but that second should have never, ever happened. No, and you're right. It's it's not on the refs. It, it's still on us, but in a variety of ways. You know, what it all boils down to is the fact that we just can't score more than two goals per game. I don't understand why that's the case. Fine, we don't concede more than two. That's cool. I'm okay with that. But we can't score more than two. One of the most exciting offenses in this game can't get on the boards with more than two. There are plenty of opportunities where they could have put this game away on multiple levels. And yeah, we, 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 we reflect in injury time where the major majority of the frustration comes in. Yeah, Marco Farfan wasted time. And then when he got up and he ran, that was one of those like, come on, wait, what moments? Right? However, it would have been completely inconsequential had LAFC managed to, to win the match. But, you know, what, what you, oh, there goes my topo. I mean, it was a, a one in a 100th chance for Dotson to have got that ball, for, for Grey Goose to have had that pass, and for him to have gotten that much you know, leather on leather uh, and, and scoring the way he did. It was an absolute screamer of a goal. As Max Bredo said on Inside LAFC's podcast, probably the greatest shot that Dotson had, and it was just a freakish way to lose the match. And Bob was visibly frustrated yeah. in the presser. I mean, he said the boys' mentality was really good. He felt the con- concentration was there, but obviously he, he showed his his frustration for the, for, for the result. We should have gotten three points in this match. There's no reason why we should have walked away with a draw. Yeah, look, I, I didn't agree with a lot of some of the takes that Heath Pierce had. On the broadcast, I just thought some of it, I mean, it must have been tough, right? They were, it should be noted, by the way, Mark Rogandino, Heath Pierce, filling in on the broadcast for Max Bredos, who unfortunately was dealing with some health stuff of his own. Max, we wish you the quickest of recoveries, and it looks like you're well on your way there. But what Heath Pierce said, too, kind of struck me. Yes, LAFC hasn't scored three goals in, in I don't even know how long now, it was at 18, 19, 20 games, whatever it is. We shouldn't have to score more than three goals to have won this match. Two should have been it. Really, really frustrating. Look, we'll talk about LAFC's place in the table going into our next match because there were a lot of games today. There's still some more games tomorrow, I believe. Look, the the short answer is we still sit fifth, and we're like four points clear of the playoff line right now. I want to do a quick little scheduling uh, with the scarf, if you don't mind. I just want to break down August for you all real quick. August is weird for LAFC. August is really weird. It's packed. It's disjointed. It's weird. Our next match is August 4th at home at the bank against Sporting Kansas City. It's a tough match. Should be an, well, here, here's what I wrote in my match. notes, Philly. It should be an excellent test for the black and gold, but it seems like no matter who we play, it's a test for us lately. So it doesn't matter. True. In all fairness, though, yes. even with the result that they had today, yes. Vancouver's only lost one out of their last seven. So just throwing that in there, maybe that's a little less. Uh, you mean Minnesota or Vancouver? No, Vancouver. Oh, yeah. Vancouver's only lost, hasn't lost more than one in the last seven matches. Okay, we should have won that game. 
Doesn't matter. Just saying. Four days later, be we travel. Yeah, I'm not there right now. Four days later, we travel to San Jose to take on Wando and the Smurfs on August 8th. The boys get a full week off before their next match, our only match on the East Coast, Least Coast this season, heading to Atlanta to take on Joseph Martinez and the Jekyll and Hyde Atlanta United on my dad's birthday, August 15th. Happy birthday, Papa Scarf. Six days later, August 21st, it looks like LAFC will actually be traveling Philly to BC Place in Vancouver, Canada to take Bad on the Whitecaps. It looks like they are going to have matches in Canada again. How cool is that? This will be one of the first games back in Canada for Vancouver, and the atmosphere should be good for the home club. They've played all of their quote-unquote home matches this season so far, Philly, in Sandy, Utah, one of your favorite confines. What a gorgeous to on the place podcast. to visit. For most clubs, Philly, the all-star break is a week off, a week to recharge, a week to relax. But that will likely not be the case for many on LAFC, as the all-star game, of course, is here at the bank. August 24th is a skills competition. We know Carlos Vela will be there. All-star game, August 25th. And the nice part is, then, are the schedules not that bad right after the all-star? Oh, wait. Three days after the all-star game, it's Carson coming to the bank. The biggest match of the 2021 season at home so far. Not the restful schedule you'd like before heading into a match against Carson. Plus all the all-star festivities, five games. Man, August is weird. And my dad's birthday on August 15th. Your birthday? August 13th. What? Yeah. I didn't know that. Right. Yeah, I knew that. August 13th, guys. Philly's birthday. More details on how. celebrated with Albert Hitchcock. Alfred? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to our friend Albert, apparently, on this podcast. Oopsie poopsie. There you go. Philly, I got one last thing I want to talk about before we, we sign off on this episode. Yes. You mentioned six players still on the team from our inaugural season. Yep. Only five players still on the team from when we started that game against Seattle. Edward Altuesta had not yet joined the roster. Let me Ooh, ask you a question. Okay, okay. Let me ask you a question. Oh, boy. Here we go. Carlos Vela, Diego Rossi, Latif Blessing, Tristan Blackman, Jordan Harvey, Edward Atuesta. Who becomes the last player, the final player, to wear black and gold that was still on the team in the inaugural season? Who's your take out of those six? Who wears black and gold the longest? Vela. Because he doesn't want to go anywhere. Rossi has ambition. Rossi and Atuesta have the ambitions for Europe. I will say that, and they'll probably end up there. So there's there's two right there. Jordan Harvey is going to retire at, at some point uh, or become part of the coaching staff. So there's three. Then we have Tristan Blackman, who, you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he got traded to another club within the next year or Whoa, two. Whoa, hot take. I, no, I mean, I, I, it just I wouldn't be shocking. Would I like it? No, not necessarily. Okay. Um, who am I missing? Latif. Latif Blessing, he's obviously young. He still has a career, but I mean, has Latif entertained ideas of going elsewhere? I mean, I I don't know. Obviously, the Vasco da Gama rumors would make you scratch your head and question things. I could still see Latif going off to another club, possibly to another country and taking care of business. Carlos Vela, though, 
is the older, with the exception of Jordan Harvey, the older <laughs> of the rest of them, and he's quite content living his life here in L.A., and he's pretty much said it. He wants to kick back and stay here. As he gets older, the Barces of the world aren't going to be knocking on his door, and if they're not knocking on his door, he's probably not going to want to go anywhere else. He's not going to want to go back to Liga MX. He, he's made it very clear that Los Angeles is his home, and he's happy here. So to me, he is the last player out of that bunch of people that's going to stick around i'm gonna cheat a little bit for a reason that you mentioned. how you got a time machine how are you gonna cheat this no, no 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 for for a reason that you mentioned you built a time machine i think one <laughs> out 20, of a focus 21 gigawatts uh that would be kind of neat actually tell yeah it would I, I would go back. i would totally go back to the future too and just <laughs> get a gambling book and bet everything and rule the world I, i'm gonna say for a reason that you mentioned philly jordan harvey the Jordan, last player to wear black and gold? Last player from that 2018 team oh, that will boy. continue to wear black and gold. Well, well because, as, a pl- as a player? Nope, because oh. the coaches wear those beautiful right, black and okay. gold polos. That's where you needed to be. Uh... And, and I think it'll be Jordan Harvey because we also know that Kimberly Caldwell Harvey has an incredibly lucrative and successful career here in Los Angeles doing what she does in the entertainment industry. But look, I think you're absolutely right in terms of playing. I think Carlos Vela, I think we're going to be able to say about five, six, seven, maybe eight years from now, Philly, as we attend the first ever statue unveiling at Bank of California Stadium with Carlos Vela and his kids all grown up and everything. It's going to be so much fun to say we were there. We were there at that first press conference. We were there at that first game at Bank of California Stadium. We were there for the hat trick against Tim Howard as he broke the record. Hopefully, we'll be able to say we were there when Vela raised MLS Cup at Bank of California Stadium with the black and gold. By then, you'll be known as the Scarves because you'll be so old. You'll be that weird dude in, like in 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 the wheelchair with like multiple layers oh, and, and, and and parkas on him, freezing in ninety degree I weather. I said this would only be like seven, eight, maybe ten years from now. What just happened? I don't know. I, I don't know. It's just, oh, it's just a fun God. image. The Scarves. Oh boy. <laughs> But yeah, I I agree, Philly. I think it'll be Vela, but uh, I think Jordan Harvey will have the longest tenure, unless you know we sign Vela one of those like personal services contracts or yeah, something. You like know, that. though, he could end up being on the coaching staff of Vancouver. He did spend a great deal of his career there, and Mark Dos Santos, while having a better uh, better time there. And uh, when you double when you question me about the one loss in six matches, it's very true. They only Minnesota only not Minnesota Vancouver only lost to Real Salt Lake. Yeah, over the course. Oh, I wasn't there are, there are more ties though than wins. I, I all ties, you. actually. I, I believe you. But yeah, he could end up there. That's, so I, I feel like uh, you mentioned all ties. I feel like unfortunately, LAFC and is AFC that what we're having Richmond, for dinner tonight? By the way, tie. Yeah, tie, yes. I feel like LAFC and AFC Richmond have a lot in common when it comes to that. But Philly, a little bit longer of a podcast, a little bit longer of a wait for the millions and millions of our fantastic oh. listeners. Thank you guys so much for waiting for us. It, we we got all oh, we fell asleep on a couch. Yeah, it's just two two uh, <laughs> two defenders and a Schmitty. Yeah, and, and now I'm sipping pineapple juice, watching Olympic golf, and Philly's making fun of me for it. I like Rory McIlroy. But either now. way, episode 159 coming at you pretty soon. You know how we like to end all of our episodes. Bye bye.